I want to take the time to give a quick shout out to Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free, it's user-friendly, and Anchor does a lot of the heavy lifting for you. What I absolutely love about Anchor is that it's free. You can download the app, and once you download it, you can start working on your podcast. You don't need to invest in any type of equipment or any type of engineering tools. You can pretty much edit and do everything from your phone or your computer for free. Anchor does a lot of the heavy lifting as well. It distributes all your podcasts for you to a bunch of different areas. So it'll distribute it to Spotify, to Apple Podcasts, and a bunch of other places. Lastly, it provides you an opportunity to monetize from your podcast. You can start making money with no minimum listenership. That's a huge thing for those people who are trying to start a podcast and try to start their brand. So if you're ready to start using Anchor, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. In today's episode, we're sitting down and talking about action economy, what it is, how to manage it, and how to beef up the action economy in your D&D or tabletop role-playing game. So stay tuned. However, before we continue, I want to thank you all for your listenership. Your support of this podcast means the world to me. If you're new to this podcast, welcome. I hope that you enjoy this content and I hope that it brings you value in your own life and in your own game. If y'all haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to this podcast and leave a five-star review if you have the ability. That really helps me grow from a podcast perspective, but it also helps me gauge what y'all want to listen to. So again, thank you so much, and I hope you enjoy this episode. If you've ever noticed in a game of Dungeons & Dragons, when you enter into a combat encounter, many actions can be taken on both the creature's and the player's perspective. You can move, you can attack, you can cast a spell, you can disengage, you can dodge, you can help someone, you can hide, You can ready, you can search, you can use an object, you could pretty much do an unspeakable amount of things during someone's action. You can even do things during what's called a bonus action, whether that's casting a spell, using an offhand weapon attack, or using some sort of class ability such as Bardic Inspiration, Rage, or even Second Wind. All these actions that are part of the combat encounter are due to what's called the action economy. The action economy is one of those terms that we often hear, but in my opinion, I don't think we fully comprehend it. Oftentimes, action economy can be very difficult and can be an issue for dungeon masters, especially when they're building a combat encounter. More importantly, combat in D&D 5th edition, and especially the action economy, can be heavily on the player's advantage 
versus the creatures or NPCs that the player, I mean, the DM is running. However, what does the term action economy mean? For most folks, action economy would be understood as the concept that states how many attacks, abilities, spells, etc. a creature can do on their turn. But in fact, that is not limited to a creature. Action economy is the concept that states how many attacks each character, creature, NPC can do on their turn. So for example, the players can do X amount of attacks, they have X amount of abilities, and they can cast X amount of spells. The creatures that they're fighting can do X amount of attacks, and they have X amount of abilities, and they can cast X amount of spells. You kind of see the pattern here. Action economy takes everyone that is participating in combat and analyzes what their abilities, attacks, and spells are according to each creature, class, player, NPC, fill in the blank. 99% of the time though, players will have the longest part of the action economy, and it can create a bit of a disadvantage for the dungeon master when they are in combat. Let's think about it. Players can have at least three actions all the way up to five actions, quote unquote, per round. They have a movement, an attack action, a bonus action, a potential reaction, the ability to interact, and they have a potential class action. Multiply that by the amount of players at your table, and that can mean the end to a long planned encounter. Creatures, on the other hand, can potentially have the same amount, but typically do not have the same amount of quote-unquote actions unless it's stated in their stats, i.e. legendary actions or bonus action like the Null has. So, how do you balance this all? How do you create that combat encounter considering the action economy balanced unfavorably for the DM? Well, the number one thing to do is to beef up the creature's action economy. By beefing up their action economy, you're able to make the encounter a bit more balanced and make it a little bit more favorable for you as the dungeon master. Here are a couple of things that you can do immediately to beef up the action economy for your next session. Number one, add either a layer or a legendary action. Layer actions and legendary actions are one of those things that you typically see with bigger bosses, bigger creatures. However, if the narrative fits, you can actually add layer actions and legendary actions to other creatures. For example, the party just encountered the hobgoblin boss that has been in charge of the local area for the past 15 years causing chaos and crime and everything in between. The party members approach the hobgoblin's lair and demand that they seek retribution. Well, a fight ensues because of the role play, whatever you want to say, and now the lair of the hobgoblin turns into a component of the combat encounter. As you can see, I just used the narrative that was going on 
and brought in the layer and justified the layer action as part of the narrative. Same thing with the legendary actions. The legendary action could be added to this hobgoblin boss and you can implement that to make that combat encounter not even more exciting, but a little bit more balanced. For these two things, you're going to have to put on your world building cap because it is going to take a little bit of world building so that the narrative fits, but then you're also going to have to put in your homebrewing cap. So that way you're able to homebrew something a little bit unique based upon the narrative of your game at the time, obviously. Another great way to beef up the action economy is by incorporating low-level minions into your combat encounter. This, in a way, is a bit of a trick that you're going to play on your players. What happens is that when you throw low-level minions, it tempts the players to either expend an ability, a spell slot, or an action on these low-level minions that can basically be one-shotted, allowing you to use the creatures that you've already planned against the players. Again, this is a combat encounter. You're not necessarily taking it easy on the party members, but you're also not trying to kill them. You're trying to have a balance. And this is a great way to show that balance. One of my all-time favorite ways of beefing up action economy is by adding environmental effects. Environmental effects could really be anything. It could be difficult terrain caused by the swamp that the party members have traversed to. It could be obscured vision because they are fighting in the middle of a snowstorm and the snow and the wind are blowing at such an extent it causes a bit of a blizzard and it obscures vision for X amount of time. It could even be that there's a spellcaster casting some sort of fog that is arcane in nature and because of that fog it's not necessarily obscuring vision but it's playing mental tricks with them maybe the party members are seeing loved ones from the past or they're seeing their worst nightmares whatever it may be it does not have to be anything crazy but by implementing an environmental effect you change the landscape of the battle and therefore start beefing up the action economy in your favor. Lastly, a great and a simple way to beef up the action economy is by adding traps. Traps are not limited to a dungeon. I'll repeat it. Traps are not limited to a dungeon. You can have traps in a forest. You can have traps on the road. These traps don't necessarily have to be a hole in the ground that was dug up and covered by foliage. It could be a log that was turned over in such a way that it blocks a little bit of the road, but it leads more to an ambush. In these scenarios, you have to consider thinking outside the box. Most of the time, a trap can be something as simple as a minor distraction. Again, leading into the combat. In the middle of combat, a trap can be the creature who may or may not be a rogue throwing something behind them as they escape, causing the party member to be inflicted by some damage 
or perhaps even the use of a smoke screen could be a trap. There are different things that you can use as a trap. It's just how do you wanna deploy it during that combat encounter? Before we end this episode, let's wrap up what we've discussed and let's go forward and see how we can improve our combat encounters with the action economy. Remember, when we're creating our own encounters, we want to take into account the action economy of both sides. We want to also consider the abilities, the spells, the actions, the magic items, and everything in between that both sides have. When we consider this, we want to evaluate whether it's balanced or not. If it's balanced, great, we're good to go. We can continue and we can have fun. If it doesn't seem balanced, and typically it may not seem balanced, feel free to add those things that I stated earlier. And that, whether you add all of it or just one thing at a time, will increase the level of action economy in favor of you and make it balanced. Again, this is all for the sake of having a fun game. If both the players and you as the dungeon master are having fun, then it's all worth it. Well, that's the episode, folks. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you haven't already, please go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. If you're listening to this on Apple or Google and have the ability to leave a five-star review, I'd ask you to please leave a five-star review and comment on what your favorite part of this episode was. In addition, if you really like this podcast, feel free to check out my social media links. They should be in the description. By you checking them out and supporting us on social media, on our Ko-Fi page, and by buying our merch, it actually helps me create more content of this manner. Either way, I appreciate your listenership. I hope that y'all have a great day. Remember to be kind and compassionate to one another. But as always, folks, keep gaming. Thank you.